The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 46 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. No sweat, right? We have a very political episode planned for today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. You can tell I have a cold too, right? Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have more about the armed police in schools, plus our recently added feature, unscripted cohorts. After the you part comes part two, the them part where each episode we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. The one today is definitely political. Our guest today is a candidate for the Pennsylvania State Senate in the 27th District, Michelle Siegel. After the them part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn. Your caster with the deep voice, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended. Today... It's the ongoing police crisis. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have Greg Ludwig from the TD Toasts Club in Mount Laurel. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Greg. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Listen, let me ask you a quick question. What do you like about being a Toastmaster? Being able just to dip into so many different pots. What do you mean? I think about how much I've done in my time as Toastmaster. I've been a Toastmaster for six years, and I think about when I first started. I thought, well, this will be nice to put on my resume. Uh-huh. Nice thing to put on my resume. Looking back at just how many people that I've been able to touch in the club and improve and help, uh-huh. and how much I've improved in my communication skills and my leadership skills. Right. Well, it's a classic Toastmaster story it right is, there. It is. I actually just gave a speech for the area contest a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, actually. Congratulations. There, I mean, second place. Congratulations. Second place, second place. Uh, it, was, uh, it was actually a very much of a homecoming kind of speech for me as far as Toastmasters go. Uh-huh. Um, ended it a little bit on the melodramatic side, but it was a really a really great speech. Uh-huh. Episode 35, we did a, actually did a Toastmasters contest here on the air. It was pretty cool. Well, anyway, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Great having you here. Great, thanks. We also have a second Toastmaster with us today, according to another one of our ancient customs. She helps read and respond to whatever comes in our mailbag and join in discussions with our guest. It's a role that we call cohort, and today's cohort is no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. She was our narrator in episode 16 and cohort in episodes 29 and 35. She's a member of the Educational Testing Service Toastmasters in Princeton, one of my clubs, Margaret Sassuni. Hello, hello. Welcome back. So excited to be here. I can't wait to hear what Michelle has to say. I know. <laughs> yes, our guests are always interesting. 
You should have been here a couple of weeks ago. I should have. We had a lady on. Her father was an alcoholic pedophile. Okay. I know. I'm Take glad a deep I breath. That, one. I'm, I'm, that was a that was a heavy duty one. It was yeah. pretty good. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to be doing that a lot this show. You know, back in episode 44, during this them part of the show, our cohort du jour Karen Flam, rather than reading the first listener's question, she went off script and she says, "Before we do them, I have a question for you." Yeah. There was some kid in her local school who did a selfie with a rifle. Not at oh. school, outside of school. Mm-hmm. And the people in school went ballistic over it. So we, we talked about that. So she snuck that up front, and I thought, you know, it would be a good idea to get all the cohorts to sneak in a question up front. Yeah, kind of like table topics at Toastmasters. In Toastmasters, yes. that's yes. right. We're hit with things, impromptu questions. With we got to think quick on our feet. Right. So in table topics, you, um, the table topics master asks us an impromptu question to a volunteer. So, um, I volunteer. I, you volunteered today? What's your question? Okay, raise your hand. Okay. Stir, stir. Ready? Always ready. It's only a question of how ready. Okay. So, one of my coworkers comes into my office this week. Is, this a, jo- is this a joke? No. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm asking the question. So, a couple of days ago, he comes in. He's like, Margaret, you want to buy a coupon book for Boy Scouts? I was like, sure. He's like, my uh, son is going to become an Eagle Scout. I was like, cool, Cool. great. I'll support them. I don't need the coupons, but I'll give you the money for it. And then a couple hours later, I got a news feed that the Boy Scouts are going Chapter 11. And I thought, whoa, they're going bankrupt. I didn't know that. Yes, and this just happened a couple of days ago. So I went into his office, and I was like, did you know they're going bankrupt? And your son is an Eagle Scout? And how many years has he been in Boy Scouts? And he's like, I didn't know. I got to tell my wife. Well, so I don't know what's going to happen to the Boy Scouts. And I wanted to know if you've ever been a scout, if your kids ever been any uh, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. I was definitely a Boy Scout. I was a Cub Scout, Weblo, Boy Scout, and Explorer. In fact, I learned how to camp and survive in the woods. My scoutmaster was an ex-Marine drill sergeant, well, and yeah. it, it showed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what you need and, and as a mentor. And I still camp to this day. I hike the Appalachian Trail. In fact, on March, Thursday, March 12th, I'm going to be heading out for four days. Well, yeah, I know that you camp, but uh, okay, so you were a I was, former Boy yeah. Scout, so I, this must touch you yeah, really now, yeah. closer to heart. Because I was not an Eagle Scout. I made it to life, which is one step below Eagle. It's tenderfoot, second class, first class, star, life, eagle. So if they drop you in the middle of Earth, you'll be able to make it back to Pennsylvania? I can, and it's been done before. <laughs> that's that's bad that's, news. You yeah, know, You yeah. ruined my day, Margaret. I, I'm sorry, but you know, he didn't know the, the father of, of, you know, he's a father, obviously. Um, so I, I wonder how many other people have not, haven't heard of it. No. No, break my heart. Yeah. I learned a lot from the Boy Scouts. Chapter 11, amid all this sexual abuse uh, scandals. Yeah, that may have something to do with it, I think. Yeah. Well, that is the reason. Yeah, that is the reason, and also uh, membership is down. Membership is probably down because of all the sexual Yeah, I would think so. You know, my wife and I raised three daughters, but I keep telling people I raised three sons as well. Right. Because you can take them and drop them out in the middle of the woods. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and I got stories about how my I like that. My daughter That's went out it should be. camping with some of her Boy Scout buddies. I guess it was in November and it was a cold, rainy night. And they couldn't build a fire. And mm. she's like, get out of the way. 
Next thing you know, they've got a big blazing fire going in the store. Oh, oh that's nice. Great. That's ne- really good. Next morning, they wake up. The Boy Scouts are all wet. She's dry. <laughs> she's like, what's the matter with you guys? I had a girl. I know. She, I and she's my middle girl, too. She's the, the maverick. Yes, girls can do anything boys can do. And then some. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very sad, and I, I wanna. I'm looking forward to you know finding out what's gonna really happen to the whole organization. It's been around for I don't know how many years. But, 1911. Um, Baden Powell. A lot of parents it. relied on it, and yep. uh, you know it means something to have a badge of honor. It means a lot to me. Yeah. I used to work at the Briar Boy Scout Reservation when I was a teenager too. Did I stump you, Ken? No, I'm not <laughs> stumped. You surprised me. Yeah, I, surprised I love the Boy Scouts. It yeah. did an awful lot for me. Yeah, it's sad. It's really heartbreaking and i still practice what i learned then i'm going out on the appalachian trail in two weeks if anybody wants to go give me a call okay oh yeah pop my bubble all right let's let's get on to something more cheerful (laughs) (coughs) what is it guns in school or something like that (laughs) a pedophile now do you still remember do now they didn't they make you do the knots yeah matter of fact i invented my own (coughs) knot it's much better. It's easy to tie and easy mm. to untie. Mm. That's another story. I'm actually, actually, it's on my list of books I want to write. Huh. About knots. About knots? Knots yeah. are very important no. when it comes Com- to sailing, too. Comfortable, yes. sur- comfortable Survival in the Wilderness is what the title of the book is. Tweeg's Guide to Comfortable Overnight Backpacking. I like it. Do it. Yeah, if I had the time, <laughs> I'd get off the air. Let's move on. What do All we right. got? Let's see. We've got a question from Ralph McKittrick. He's in Sladington, Pennsylvania. He says, thanks for answering my question about Tamar Clayman, the Abington School Board member, who was worried about police shooting up the schools. <coughs> but by siding with her, doesn't that make you an anti-cop? Blaming the law like you did is cop-out. Pardon the pun. <laughs> no, I won't pardon the pun. I'm a huge fan of puns, much to my producer's dismay. I see he's grimacing already. <laughs> he always does. Besides, I can't pardon anyone. I lost the race for Pennsylvania governor. He's mm. still grimacing. Mm. I digress. Getting to the Ralph's question. Let me give listeners a little bit of background in case you weren't around last episode. Ms. Clayman is a member of the Abington School Board in southeastern Pennsylvania. Recently, she stood up at a meeting and said, and I quote, We know that black and brown students are much more likely to be shot by police officers than other students. And I have serious concerns about anybody in the buildings having firearms, regardless of whether or not they're police. Police officers also shoot people pretty regularly, unquote. The whole town rose up against her demanding her resignation. And last I heard, that brave lady has not resigned. I'd love to get her on the show, but that's a separate thing. I wasn't aware of it at all. It's in my hometown. I didn't even know anything about it until Ralph brought it up in episode 44. Back then, he asked me if I shared her concerns. Well, it's an easy answer to that. I do. There are ample statistics, sad to say, that underlie that concern. For example, according to the York Daily Record, cops kill another Pennsylvanian every couple of weeks. And worse yet, as if it could get worse, 20 of those 56 killed recently, over 35% of them were black, while blacks only make up 11% of the population. So Ms. Clayman is correct. Police officers do shoot people pretty regularly, and blacks are indeed more likely to be killed by police, three times more likely, in fact. And yes, that concerns me. One solution I proposed, which Ralph calls a cop-out, is to change the law that defines when cops can use deadly force. 
Today, they can use deadly force whenever it is necessary to quote unquote, effect the arrest, along with a couple other qualifications. And in episode 44, I suggest that we change that law so that cops can only use deadly force not to make an arrest, but only to save lives. Now, that sounds reasonable to me, but not to Ralph, it would seem. But that's not a problem, Ralph, I don't mind, because we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. So if you don't like one solution, we can try and find another. No sweat, as I said at the top of the show, or as I should say, Noah Sweat, because Noah Sweat has the basis for another solution. And since that solution is kind of long, I thought I'm going to save that for today's rant on the ongoing police crisis. So let's leave that for now. Ready for the next one? I'm always ready. It's only a question of how ready. Stan Stan from Lycoming, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, Stan Stan. Never heard of that. Mm. Oh, it's a beautiful Uh, country. Is is that in your district, Lycoming? Lycoming. Uh, No, it's it's close, but Uh not quite. I think that's y'all's. Yeah, Yeah, close enough. So what does Stan Stan have to say? He says, I think your rant about Anne Rand's Atlas Shrug in episode 45 was the worst rant you've ever done. I never read the book, so I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> it's an easy to answer that, Stan. Read the book. It's only the 27th longest book ever written. And yes, I, I bet you're not a fan of reading humongous 1,200-page books, but it does happen to be my favorite novel. So I'll tell you what, as a public service, let me give you some advice on how to read that without reading all 1,200 pages. Do a tell, Ken. Do a tell. <laughs> Anytime you see a big speech coming on, Skip it. There are lots of them in there, like Francisco's money speech. Just scan ahead until you see some dialogue, back up one paragraph, then resume reading from there. That's all you really need for the context. And when you get to Galt's big speech at the end, it's only like 78 pages long. There are only a few parts of that that are relevant to the plot. So you want to save yourself about 76 long-winded pages? Just skip that. Only read the beginning. First couple paragraphs, and the end, first couple paragraphs. So you can skip most of Galt's big speech. You can skip any chapter that starts with whining. Whining like, we don't know what to do, Ms. Taggart. Skip the chapters with any of the thugs or any of the looters. People like Wesley, Oren, Balf. Yes, it's Balf with a B. Floyd, Gene, Chick, Simon. Definitely Lillian and Philip. Skip them. And, of course, Mr. Thompson, who's the head of state. Skip them because you may see yourself in them. That could be a bad thing. But there are some good chapters about looters and thugs. Fred is okay because he's an honest thug. And Kip Chalmers, he's my favorite, if only because Rand really gives it to him in the end. So pay attention to him. Yeah, I know. I just told you to skip 88% of the book. But it still leaves a couple hundred pages. So there's another angle to give a shot. Let me tell you what not to skip. Just do these things. Just don't skip any dialogue. Rand is an expert at dialogue. It's really tight back and forth, and it still conveys the theme of the book. And it's real easy to spot. Just look for any page that's not a monolithic block of words with maybe one or two paragraph breaks every page or two. And read anything with Eddie Willers in it, because he's the hero of my book, Atlas Snubbed. And I can't wait for the hate mail from the objectivists over that, because they love the book. I do too. Mm. It's my favorite book. Gosh. It's on my list, but um, don't they also have cliff notes? I don't know. It's probably 1,200-page cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, want to read it. I really do. You should. You should read my book mm-hmm. first. It makes it easier. Okay. 
<laughs> on that heavenly note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 46. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be visiting with today's guest, candidate for Pennsylvania State Senate in the 27th District, Michelle Siegel. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like there's something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from Article I of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we're authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please, sign the Pennsylvania Constitution at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on the top of your mind. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. I don't know. The commercial still gives me chills up and down my spine because it's just too true. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 46 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is heavy-duty political. She's Michelle Siegel, candidate for the Pennsylvania State Senate in the 27th District. And in case you didn't know, and I sure didn't, the 27th is East Central Pennsylvania, north of Harrisburg, and straddling the Susquehanna River. Her degree is in Earth and Environmental Sciences, so we may get onto the environmental part, too. I hope we get talking about more than just politics. 
Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Michelle. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I have to start at the very top. I've run for public office several times. And the first question I always seem to get is, why are you running? So I'm not going to ask it. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to get to the really important part. Knoebels is in your district, isn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love Knoebels. You've been there. You must. Oh, have. I grew up. I mean, that's that was my uh, my friend had a cottage right there. Really? So I that, I just really? grew up like I'm, that's where I lived I'm in the jealous. summer. Yeah. What is it for those of us who don't know? Knoebels is an amusement park nestled oh. in the mountains of North Central Pennsylvania. Wow. It's a free park. You can walk in and enjoy the shows and anything. You can get a wristband, ride all the rides, and the best part is they have the fifth best, excuse me, first best, they're number one this year, the best wooden roller coaster on the planet. Wooden roller coaster. The roller best coaster. one on the planet. Yep. Sounds slow, and yep. I'll get on it. No, no, they're not <laughs> slow. They're not slow. They're not it's, slow. It's a lot of, the Phoenix is fantastic. <laughs> yes, the Phoenix. I would highly recommend, everybody should ride that once in their life. And there's a lot of airtime. Like, oh, yeah, you <laughs> bounce in your seat. Yeah. You know, a lot of roller coasters, people come off, and they're, like, stunned. You come off the Phoenix, everybody's laughing. Yep, that's what I want. It's a trip and a half. <laughs> and you know what I got? I have, I'm going to fish it out of my wallet at some point. Yep, it's right here. I have oh admit gosh. one to the Phoenix. Wow. Because when I get to the park, I don't want to wait in line. I want to get right on. Yeah. I never leave home without it. Good to know. All right, now that we got the important... Oh, what's your favorite ride? I mean, the Phoenix, I like the haunted house. Yeah. Um, right. That's a really old school type haunted house, and it's just... That way, just that smell when you go in there, it just reminds me of my childhood. Uh -huh. I love it. Um, I do like the Twister, the other wooden roller coaster. Uh -huh. um, those yeah. are probably, you know, I definitely the Phoenix is, you know, that's where I go. Uh -huh. Yeah. My daughter says she comes off the Twister and feels like she was in a minor car accident. <laughs> <laughs> that one is that is a little wicked. Yeah. Because yeah. you it kind of spins you a little too. So all right, now that we got past the important stuff, let's get to the less important <laughs> stuff. Why? What are you doing this for? I've run for office, and it, it eats up your whole life. Yeah, I um, I was actually a, a youth leader, and I was um, taking care of kids, and one day I was watching them all play, and they were having fun and laughing, and I just looked at them and thought, our political system is a mess. Somebody needs yeah. to think about these children. Uh-huh. You know, it's the same thing with me, except I phrase it a little differently. I said... I was mad as hell and I wasn't going to take it anymore. <laughs> well, that's pretty close to how I feel. I mean, I just, um, and nobody runs in this district against um, yeah. nobody. It's not since do, 2004. Do you, do you know, the last statistic I saw, 38% of the state rep races in Pennsylvania have no opponent. There's yeah. one person. It, that's not the way this should work. No. It, everybody should, that, that's not the way the system was set up. That's the way it was attended. And it... It, it upsets me when I see somebody that's been in office like him uh, since state rep. It's been about like 22 years now. Uh -huh. He switched. He was state rep, switched parties for Senate because he thought it was easier to win. Oh, man. And then still would go to the other side saying, I have your back. So there's stuff like that that just, it's wrong. And then it, I've had people say to me, why are you even trying? This is a super yeah. red area. And I said, but... This is supposed to be a democracy. You're supposed to be challenged. You're supposed yeah. to be called out on your record. Yeah. And you're supposed to be a 
the, the way our system is set up, anybody should be able to run. And I have a really big problem. Like we just had petitions. We had to take our petitions, mm. which I've never done anything so crazy like that in my life. Having to knock on people's doors. Don't and, start with me about <laughs> petitions. How many signatures did you need? Uh, we I needed 500. We is got, that all? Yeah. Well, yeah. This was only so. This How? is we got close to nine. Um, but do you know when I ran for? office in 2002 i ran against ed rendell for governor okay ed needed 2,000 signatures to get on the ballot yep do you know how many i needed isn't it 10 21,027 look at that her mouth lift up your jaw <laughs> i know no, that's not okay do, do you know how many that uh, an independent or a challenger party would need to get on the ballot for state senate in your district thousands yeah it thousands. is it's in because I thought, I actually thought about running. We actually thought about running as an independent. And when I looked no. at that, and I was like, "This is impossible. It's you impossible. can't do it." And it's wrong. I'm sorry. I I'm a Democrat. I'm a proud Democrat. But I b- firmly believe you cannot make the government better if you do not have more voices at the table. So I am somebody that believes greens, yellows, blues, reds. We should yeah. all be there. That's yeah. how other yeah. governments work. I love you. Welcome back <laughs> to the show. You're my hero. <laughs> Article 1, Section 5 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Quote, all elections shall be free and equal. What the hell? I agree. No, I, listen, I, this is a big problem. I, I don't agree with it. I, standing there in the line with petitions, we, I think we were in there for almost three hours waiting. And then what really upset me is when you see the people come in with their suits on, hand their petitions, snap a picture and walk out while the rest of us are waiting in line. And I just said, this is, this isn't democracy. No, not at all. No, no, it's it's bad. Yeah, and I've actually gotten up and done something about that. I've filed suit in state court and federal court, and we actually won in 2016 to reduce the number of signatures that the governor needs yeah. down to 5,000. But it's still not yeah. equal. No, it's still not equal. But I, I, I actually was talking to a gentleman in line who was filing. I think he was running for state rep somewhere as Libertarian Party, and he and I were talking as we were leaving, and he was mentioning that that they had won some but it, you know it still wasn't enough and i, I just yeah. it's wrong i'm sorry i just don't agree with it the, the, the way this is set up it's just we're supposed to have representation based on the people and that's not happening anymore no do you know a friend of mine john murphy we have a ballot access coalition there's libertarians greens communists constitutionalists he's a naderite and he has a quote that i love to use all the time he says there's two ways to defeat democracy one is to prevent citizens from voting, but the second one is more insidious because you prevent worthy candidates from running. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got now. Mm-hmm. Yep, sounds like it. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Nobody challenge your petitions? Uh, we won't know until we get the official 20, on the 25th. Oh, that, man. So I don't I, I, I'm. Do you know they? they ch- I would kind of love them to because I would like to ca- be call them out. Careful what you wish for. I know, but I would love to call that system out because I don't think that's right either. Uh-huh. Do you know a green guy, Carl Romanelli? There was one year that the signature requirement for statewide was t- 2006. It was 67,000 signatures, even though the two old parties only needed 2,000. Carl turned in 98,500 signatures, a Pennsylvania record, far and away, wow. even more than 78,000 Peg Luxick did in 1994. Well, they challenged his petition, and not only did they kick him off the ballot, they fined him $80,000 for the temerity of running for statewide office. It was Department of State costs. Look at the picture. Pick your chin up off the floor, Michelle. No, I can't understand. That's so, I mean, I I have a problem with that. I'm sorry. I just, I don't Uh, agree with that. 
Nobody agrees. Yeah. When we tell somebody, yeah. nobody agrees with yeah. it. Except when you go to the legislators. Yep. And mm-hmm. we, we had a good friend in the, the legislator, uh, Fulmer, Mike Fulmer. But he, he resigned recently. He had a little bit of a legal situation. But we had nobody now. I hope you get elected. You sound like you'd be our champion. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I... I I mean, I have a lot of friends um, that are libertarians that are supporting me because of there's certain things that we really agree on. Yeah. Um, my husband is actually probably swings more libertarian. So mm-hmm. that kind of, I'm not going to lie, influences me a little bit. And I get his input, like, because I'm coming it from a, <laughs> you know, it's good to have your eyes opened and uh-huh. understand yeah. that other people see things differently. And that's okay. And you can't grow and you can't learn and you can't make this state better if you don't have those conversations you are good you're real good what do you think about the insane war on drugs if it was up to me that would be all be legalized i don't think anybody should be in jail for drugs i talked to um north underland county uh warden and he said all we all we do here is it's just drugs that's all that's come through here they come in for a little bit he said and domestic violence that's the two main things and he goes we shouldn't be treating these people need treatment. Yeah. I, and I, I don't, I, that's something that I, I'm probably going to get a lot on that, but I don't think that you should be, get people treatment. That's what they need. They don't need to be put in jail for it. Amen. Yeah. Although, you know, I used to smoke pot back in my college days and I didn't need treatment. I just needed a, well, a good I, connection where I could yeah. get some of that. I busted. mean, and marijuana <laughs> is a different thing. That shouldn't, that, the fact that that is not legalized at this point, it, I, I don't know many younger people that will sit here and have a conversation on why marijuana should be illegal at this point. It just makes no sense. No. And as as somebody that's been a medical marijuana patient and it's seen how much that plant has helped me get healthy and feel better with my medical condition. Uh I have such a problem then. At first, I was somebody that was like, you should. It should be completely regulated and and watched over. But then being a patient and seeing there's a big problem going on in the state there. When you're sick right now, people can't get flour. So if you're somebody that has Parkinson's or something and then there's a certain strain that's helping you Mm -hmm. and you go to the dispensary right now, they don't have it. What are you supposed to do? And in that case, I'm for homegirl. I think that patients should be able to grow the plants that help their disease. Just eliminate it, get rid of yeah. the stupid law. My soundbite when I was running for governor, and my producer's gonna throw rocks at me, we're releasing murderers and rapists from our overcrowded prisons to make yep. room for pot-smoking Grateful it's, Dead fans. Exactly, it's, no, you were- <laughs> That's insane. It is insane. No, it, I, I, I just saw, I think some, there was a, a meme I just saw recently um, that was, uh, it, it mentioned something, that woman that, went to the wrong apartment and had shot that gentleman yeah. in that oh, one yeah, state. Yeah. And then yeah. it, she got like it, a short sentence compared to somebody with marijuana got like 30 years. Yeah. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. The priorities ask, are wrong. That's right. Yep. And people ask me, why do I run for public office? How could I not run for public office? My guest today is Michelle Siegel, candidate for the Pennsylvania State Senate in the 27th District. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 46 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Do you like the Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants, the guests, the fun? Well, you're in luck, because by popular demand, we've added even more content. 
Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show while we continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted and often includes things we can't say on the air, or shouldn't. Would you like access to each episode the day it's recorded? Live streams of every show as it happens? Behind-the-scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests? All this and more is now available at PennsylvaniaProject.com. But wait, there's more. Sign up today and you also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for more content? You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the More Fun link at the top of the page. Solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today. Hey, Margaret here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find high-paying job, at least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But how does it work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio. So turn off your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome and be sure to mention my name, Margaret. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner, always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable, quality gear. At Christopher Fave Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you have fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania Proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's ChristopherFaveFlyFishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we are back with episode 46 of the Pennsylvania Project, and our guest Michelle Siegel, candidate for the Pennsylvania State Senate in the 27th District in East Central Pennsylvania near Knobles. You know, I should dedicate an entire show to Knobles. Yeah, I would, I would be on board with that. I just love the place. Yeah. Now, before the break, we were talking about a lot of things, but one thing we touched upon was the Pennsylvania Constitution, you know, about free and equal elections and stuff like that. And before the show, you mentioned that you were annoyed with one part of it? Well, I, I don't like that is in the Constitution that we have to have a flat tax system, basically. Why don't you like that? Because I think I am a total believer of progressive tax system. Uh-huh. 
And you can't change that unless you change the Constitution. That so it's not a, it's not an easy feat. And I don't think a lot of Democrats even understand that, that you would have to change the Constitution to, to implement that. I believe that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Article 8, Section 1. I think we should have – well, actually, I, I'm a libertarian. I think we should do everything we can to reduce taxes. It's, it's an obvious evil, and we can reduce it as much as possible. But if you start playing favorites, saying, I'm going to tax you more than him and him more than her – then doesn't that allow the legislature to play games with the tax code? They could start now doing social engineering and things like that? But they're already doing that. They're already doing that. Is that a yes or a no? I, I see your point. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna lie, like, I get that point, but uh -huh. I, I am somebody that believes that every, this is a commonwealth we're all supposed to kind of share in. Agreed, in equally. Yes, but that being said, I do think the income inequality issue going on in Pennsylvania, like I have the, the counties in the 27th district, three of them are under the federal poverty line. Like, I, and I know there's issues with how people figure that out. Everybody yeah, that's okay. That. We'll accept that. Yeah, but there's an issue going on yeah. in, in, in the state, nationally, whatever you want to say. But there has to be something that, that feeds the system in a better way than it's happening now. And the biggest reason that I think this is happening is, is the fact that our politicians get money and are not actually working for the people anymore. They're working for whoever puts the money in their pocket. Uh-huh. But the taxes keep going up. In fact, one of the things that I talked about during the governor campaign was that the cost of government in Pennsylvania has been rising at more than three times the rate of inflation for over 50 years. It doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican yeah. in there or high inflation or low inflation. It's always up, 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 up. Well, I understand that, but there's other things. Why is our legislature, I think, the second highest paid in the United States, right under Because Cal you vote, not you, because they voted for themselves. I, exactly, and that needs to be changed. I, I will, I, I probably will get, I will probably get in trouble from, and I said, I said this when I was on an, another interview, I'll probably get in trouble for both sides from this, uh -huh. but I believe everybody's salary should be tied to the median for the state, which is around 60,000. That's a good idea. That's what you should be making. You know not, what? 90,000 or uh -huh. the guy that I'm running guests since he's GOP leadership gets $120,000. You know, I'm going to write that down because we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania yeah. Project. We want to make things, we have a vision for a better Pennsylvania. Yeah. And rather than paying these guys so much, and then there's there's all the other things. Article 3 section, I have to look it up, I don't know off the top of my head, says that uh, the legislature gets salary and mileage and no other compensation whatsoever. But they get all kinds of other compensation. They get offices, they get a car, they get pensions, they get all these things. Do you think that's justified? Sounds like no. More well, reason to run for office than <laughs> 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 being that position. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tough because like the when you legislature votes to give themselves a raise, right? Yeah. I don't agree with that for the politicians, but if it's going for the state employees, I agree with that. That's fine. So what I if I was elected, this is what I would do. I would vote for a raise because I believe employees should get it, but I will not take it. It would go into a fund for the 27th district where a member from each party, including greens and yellows, would sit on a board. I would have nothing to do with it and decide how that money would be divvied up into the into the district. Uh-huh. You know, I've heard a lot of suggestions about these citizen boards, but you know, we challenger parties as we like to call ourselves. Third party is very demeaning. We call ourselves challenger parties. Uh, we just for the same reasons that we don't get too many people elected to office, although we did just, Libertarians elected 47 people mm -hmm. to office in the most recent election. We're very, very proud of that. But 
because we don't get elected to as many offices as the two old parties do, we feel we would be underrepresented on those boards. How would how much you address that? Because you mentioned greens and yellows. Well, it would be it would have somebody one person from each, so it wouldn't it would be literally one Democrat, one Republican, one green. So it would be equal. Uh-huh. That's the way I would want it done. I, I am somebody that believes that you cannot grow as a society unless you have everybody's voice, and I, I will agree. defend that till the day I die. I agree. Yeah. Now another thing, when we were doing the talking earlier at the beginning of the show when Margaret had brought up the Abington School District and the lady about the guns. I saw that you folded your arms and you leaned back. Are you a, are you a fan of Miss Kleiman or, or an opponent? The, the guns thing is, is a tough thing as a Democrat. I'm not, it is something that in my district you can't, I mean, we have, it's, it's tough being a red area. I mean, when you're a Democrat, everybody thinks that you just want to take guns uh-huh. and you're, you want to kill babies. And unfortunately, that's what we're summed <laughs> up as. Yeah. Oh, um, and you know, it's, it's funny. I have another yeah. question about that. I'll ask you later. But um, I know I, I follow the issues going on with, with the issues with over, too much police force and stuff. And that is very concerning for me. I, I, completely get that i just don't know what you do about that issue that what you had said about changing when they can use force i'm completely for that uh-huh. i think we we need to be taking a step i just watched a video where this uh mother was bringing a child to a mental health um facility and he was acting a little you know he was having an episode mm-hmm. and all these guards and stuff came out threw him on the ground punched him in the face I know. twice he was a child a child you know it's that's not okay it turns your stomach yeah. breaks your heart yeah yeah because i i have an african-american child i adopted i got him when he was two days old Thank it you. has completely changed the way i see things uh-huh. compared to it's just what people say is true this is not made up when my child is playing with other children all the other kids can be doing what he is he will get yelled at I've seen it firsthand. It, this is the way society is. Whether we want to believe that's happening or not, it I, is. I believe you. Yeah. I, I quoted the statistics. Yeah. Three times more likely to get yeah. shot. And also in courts, African Americans are eight times more likely to go to jail for smoking pot yep. than whites. Yep. I, I stand up in front of an African American audience and I'll say, our court system is racist. And their every head is nodding. It's bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to take a stand. Yeah. What, what you're doing now, this is the way to do it. Yeah. Because when you run for public office, people actually listen to you for a little while. Yeah, yeah. It's it gets a it's change the conversation a little. Yeah. You know, Article One, Section Twenty One. Greg read this earlier. The Pennsylvania Constitution says the right to, of the citizen to bear arms shall not be questioned. I have no question what that means. And also, the CDC did a study. Obama commissioned the CDC to do a study, and he found that a lot of these or all of these feel-good gun laws have no impact on gun violence. So and not only is it a, the right thing to do, it's also also the law. I wanted to back up on something you mentioned about it's tough being a Democrat in a blue area, and some Democrats will go the other way. In a, re- I'm in a red area. I'm in, yeah, a, in a red, red area. area. Yeah. Whatever it is. I don't, yeah, it's I don't, okay. <laughs> all I know is libertarians are gold. Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters. But can you give me a one-sentence description describing a Democrat? For what I believe, it's somebody that believes that the government should work for the people and that these institutions should get back to, the, to serving the public. Uh-huh. 
What I like about being a libertarian is it's easy to do one line, and it's something that all libertarians believe. You have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others. The golden rule on a political level. And everybody I ask, they agree with that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, everybody's yeah. right should be expected. That's, that's why I get a little cringeworthy with the Second Amendment stuff, because I, I understand the issues oh, that— The Pennsylvania Project, we talk about Article 1, Section 21. Okay. The right to shut up be questioned. Yeah, that, that I, I understand, and I, I, that's why it's—for me, I understand people have rights, and that's why I think a lot of stuff ends up being thrown out in court because it ends up being fine unconstitutional, and people don't realize that. Yeah, that's because it hasn't been taught to them. Was it taught yeah. to you? Pennsylvania Constitution? Did you learn it in school? No, I'm not gonna lie. I, Neither I, did I. We, Nobody we, has. We learned some of the, you know, you know, United, United States, States Constitution, but you don't. And you're exactly right. That is a problem. We. Sh- it's a I don't think people understand how civics even works in general in the state. Everybody uh-huh. blames like the governor stuff for things, but the legislature is the one passing these uh-huh. bills and putting I, these bills. I up. blame the Board of Education in Harrisburg on a bunch of unelected people. Why don't they teach our kids how our government works? Don't get me started. <laughs> Because we're out of time. I'm, I'm complaining before about not starting a heavy question when we're learning low on time. Maybe you should go around the country doing that. I guess. <laughs> hey, we're now in Kutztown. So we're in Philadelphia and Kutztown. So we're in two markets. We're growing. Michelle, we're out of time. It always goes just so fast. Yeah. Is, any final comments you want to throw in there? A website or? Uh, Michelle Siegel for PASenate.com. Um, Siegel for Senate on Facebook. You know how to spell that Siegel? S-I-E-G-E-L. Sounds like the bird, not spelled like it. Uh-huh. S-I-E-G-E-L. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess another little thing that's just important to me is I am an environmental science major. Oh, we we got to do. That. We got to do something about in this in this state about what's going on. Uh, we got a third worst air quality. Um, it's people are getting sick. I just I believe there was an article that said we have the highest uh, death rates from like. Respiratory and stuff diseases. Uh-huh. And in here the I country. am, and I got a call. Well, right now. I got it from Seattle yeah. though. It, it just we there's big problems going on and environmentally in this state, and it's it's a tough. This is another again I could go on this for a but this is another I big know. tough issue for a Democrat right now because we have the issue where labor, certain labor is upset if we go too left on environment. So it's it's becoming this is going to be an interesting thing to see how it plays out here um, in the state. I know. It sounds like we should have you back. Oh, I would a, love that. There's I would a love lot that. more that's going on. Oh, I would on. love that. I, again, I I love, again, learning from other people. This is what life is about, Amen. having dialogue. Amen. Yeah, it sounds like you're the right person to be running. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Yes. You know, that's going to have to wrap it up for the them portion of the show. <laughs> Thank you again, my guest, Michelle Siegel, candidate for the Pennsylvania State Senate in the 27th District, which includes Knoebels. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, the ongoing police crisis. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Greg, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The IRS? Yep. Two big brutish guys. Scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. And lots of it, too. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Yep, I remember. You were raking in some really big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. Turns out the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes, so they want it all now. Right now. 
plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's that damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the forms, all the taxes? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of March toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 46 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Even though I'm not really sure exactly where my craw may be, but I know it sticks in it. Today, it's the ongoing police crisis. Yeah, yeah, I know. It seems every 10 minutes, somebody in the lamestream media is bemoaning some new crisis du jour. The opioid crisis, SARS, cultural appropriation, whatever that means. It never seems to end. In fact, I recall a Time Magazine cover from a number of years ago bemoaning the crisis crisis of all things because there just seemed to be so many crises. So I can commiserate if you want to dismiss me out of hand about bemoaning the ongoing police crisis, but there's no doubt that this one is real. Let me show you how. But before I go any further, let me define our terms. What do we mean by the word crisis? We'll start with Webster, always a good place to start. A crisis is, quote, a condition of instability or danger leading to a decisive change. Instability or danger leading to a decisive change. Well, do we have instability or danger when it comes to the cops? Well, as we discussed earlier in the show, according to the Daily Record, cops kill another Pennsylvanian every couple of weeks. That sounds pretty crisis-y to me. And further, they reported that blacks are three times more likely to be killed by the police than the general Pennsylvania population. Does that sound crisis-y to you? Does to me. Especially, definitely a condition of instability or danger, especially if you're a black. We can only hope that this ongoing police crisis leads to a decisive change and hopefully a change for the better. Well, okay. Now we know what a crisis is. What then are the police? Let's turn to Webster. He says... Police are, quote, the civil force of a national or local government responsible for the prevention and detection of crime and maintenance of public order, unquote. I take exception to the prevention, but that's for another day. Rather than turning to Webster, though, I prefer we turn to Noah Sweat. Spelled the way you think it is. He was a Mississippi state rep. You may have heard of him. He's famous for a speech he delivered in 1952. Granted, that speech was about whiskey, not about the police, but I think it could help us frame a solution to the ongoing police crisis. 
It's a pretty short speech, so let me read it. You ready? This is Noah Sweat, and I'm not going to pretend to have a Mississippi accent. I can't do it. Cultural appropriation, right? Quote, my friends, you have asked me how I feel about whiskey. All right, this is how I feel about whiskey. If when you say whiskey, you mean the devil's brew, the poison scourge, the bloody monster that defiles innocence, dethrones reason, destroys the home, creates misery and poverty, yea, literally takes the bread from the mouths of little children, if you mean the evil drink that topples the Christian man and woman from the pinnacle of righteousness, gracious living into the bottomless pit of despair and degradation and shame and helplessness and hopelessness, then certainly I am against it. But if when you say whiskey, you mean the oil of conversation, the philosophic wine, the ale that is consumed when good fellows get together, that puts a song in their hearts and laughter on their lips and the warm glow of contentment in their eyes. If you mean Christmas cheer, if you mean the stimulating drink that puts a spring in the old gentleman's step on a frosty, crispy morning, if you mean the drink that enables a man to magnify his joy and his happiness, and forget, if only for a little while, life's tr great tragedies, heartaches, and sorrows, if you mean that drink, the sale of which pours millions of dollars into our treasuries, which is used to provide tender care for our little children, our blind, our deaf, our dumb, our pitiful aged infirms, to build highways and hospitals and schools, then I am certainly for it. That is my stand. I will not retreat from it. I will not compromise." Unquote. That speech is known as the whiskey speech. It is held up, if by whiskey speech, it's held up as an example of a certain type of logical fallacy known as a relativist fallacy, meaning that the argument may be true for some people, but not for others. Pulling it back to the ongoing police crisis, and the horrible racist statistics reported by the York Daily Record, it's easy to see that the exact same relativist fallacy is possible when defining police. I have at hand a modest example. Let me give it a spin. Ready? You have asked how I feel about the police? All right, this is how I feel about the police. If by police you mean the friendly neighbor who helps our children safely cross the street, the guardian angel who rescues us from the rising floodwaters, the impromptu doctor who delivers your newborn in the back seat of his patrol car, <clears throat> if you mean the man who captures the burglar and returns to you your keepsakes, the man who lays his life on the line every day, day after day, to keep you and me and our family safe, then I am certainly for it. But if you mean the jerk who tickets you, if by police you mean the jerk who tickets you for driving at the same speed as everyone else, or stops and frisks you for no reason at all, if you mean the coward who kicks a minority when he lies helpless on the ground, or the brown shirts with their DUI checkpoints who assume automatically that everyone driving is drunk, or the Philadelphia jackboot who steals your car under color of law just because your papers are not in order, if you mean the Lancaster cop who tasered a sitting handcuffed guy in the back, or the Norristown cop who quote-unquote defended himself by putting a chokehold on a 14-year-old girl, or the East Pittsburgh cop who shot a fleeing unarmed team in, in the back? If you mean the nemesis disguised as our protector, then I am certainly against it. This is my stand. I will not retreat from it. I will not compromise. There you have two portraits of a cop, the portrait of a friend, and the portrait of the last person you'd want as a friend. Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-cop. In fact, I'm a graduate of the Abington Citizens Police Academy. 
We're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. And I have a suggestion for eliminating one of those definitions of the police. The latter, obviously, not the former. Trouble is, I don't have time for it today. So let me schedule for my rant in the upcoming, upcoming episode 47 of the Pennsylvania Project. Let's title it, The Ten Cop Mandments. And on that ominously portentous note, that's going to have to wrap it up for episode 46 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about the ongoing police crisis and their use of deadly force? What do you think about our guest, Michelle Siegel? I kind of like her. Or anything somewhat Pennsylvania related, if you have something to say. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at the PennsylvaniaProject.com, at PennsylvaniaProject.com, right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there, too, as well as on iTunes and other populist, populist, you're right, popular podcast providers. There's a Democrat in the real sense. Yeah. Populist, my apologies. <laughs> Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 AM. And now broadcasting in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 on the AM dial every Monday at 7 AM. can't believe they do that. And released every pod, pod, every Tuesday as a podcast. I have a cold. Please bear with me. <clears throat> and released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Our marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Our featured Toastmaster narrator is Greg Lugwid. Featured Toastmaster cohort, Margaret Sassuni. Keyboard wizard, Joe the Pag. Radio producer, Brett Kronberger. Welcome back, Brett. Good to have you. Executive producer, Mark Bazzacco. And me, your caster, Ken Kralchuk. Cold and all brought back from Seattle. And no, it's not the coronavirus. Thank, <laughs> thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. <laughs>